everyone, welcome to Villa Together, the full 90 podcast aftermath of Aston Villa 3, Southampton 4. Joined once again by Joe Davidson and Ian Gillett. Joe, how are we doing? Nice to have you back. Good to be back. Thanks for having me. Ian, as always, how are you doing? How are you doing, boys? Good to see you. Bit deflated after that one, but um, yeah, I'm good, mate. Um, so, so just going to dive straight in. Um, Ian, just give us your, your thoughts on on the game and the performance overall. Obviously, it's a disappointing result, but just, just give us your thoughts. Um, it's a really hard one to decipher. I think, obviously, when you're 4-0 down and you're thinking, well, what's happened here? I didn't think we were outplayed that much in terms of sort of Southampton cutting through us like a knife to butter but they were just really decisive from set pieces. And James Ward-Prowse has scored two world-class free kicks, another free kick and a header where I think we've probably been a little bit naive in terms of having John McGinn, Mark Investigard from the set piece, whereas I'd probably have stuck Tyrone Mings on him, um, seeing as he's probably their biggest danger on set pieces in the box with headers. Uh, and then a world-class strike from Danny Ings that picks out the uh, the top corner again. When you look at it overall, um, it's disappointing to find ourselves 4-0 down. I thought the reaction to going 4-0 down was was good. Um, we got ourselves back in contention. We sort of the deficit from minus four goals on the goal difference to just minus one looks a lot better in terms of the league and only being sort of the goal difference being on plus six now. Uh, but yeah, it's a disappointing day. We wanted to bounce back, didn't we? Um, we all said after the Leeds game, it was all about the reaction and how we reacted to being three goals down and losing a game for the first time in the Premier League. I thought, again, we started slowly and the wake-up call was when they had the disallowed goal from uh, Che Adams. Uh, but then I think we, did, we still didn't wake up from that and we let them get on top Um the, the, the set piece, the free kick for the set piece, it's a questionable one. Target's flung himself in, but he doesn't really make contact with the player at all. The players sort of rode the challenge, got his cross in, the keepers collected it. Uh, the referees brought it back. I think it might have been the assistant referee, the linesman that gave the actual free kick. So it's a tough one to take in, in sort of when he doesn't really make contact with the player. I don't think it's really a free kick, but we've got to do better from the set piece. Uh, we've got to be more organised. Like I said, too naive. Um, I don't know. It's a really hard one to decide. I was I watched this one in Bromsgrove with um, a few old uni mates and um, Jen and Amanda. They both said we started playing better as soon as Jack um, Jack Grealish took his headband off. <laughs> and I thought it was a really sort of a funny analogy of that. Yeah, actually, I can't argue. We did start, and Jack did start playing as soon as that headband came off. So maybe that's the uh, the special superstitious sort of side. Maybe Jack doesn't play with a headband from now on. But I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? You know what? Um, just touching quickly on the headband thing. Um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, we, we've all kind of played football, haven't we? And I'm one of them that if anything isn't right, I get really annoyed by it, as in, you know, my socks or my shorts, or whether my, you know, my shirt feels all right, tucked in or not, and stuff like that. And sometimes, you know, I'm not saying this, this it just could be totally coincidental with Jack Grealish, um, you know, which. I'd hope it is because he's a you know professional footballer playing in the Premier League. But sometimes I feel like something niggling me a bit, I remove it, bit of tape that's a bit too tight, remove it, and then I kind of feel a bit better. Whether that's the case, I don't know. Um, before we go on to me, Joe, 
Um, we kind of mentioned this earlier, didn't we? We were chatting the the kind of, I suppose, the contrast in terms of our performance, and in particular our first half performance, and how the game, um, I suppose, appears or, or kind of comes across in terms of the stats coming out of the game. So do you want to just fire some stats at us from the game and we'll kind of just have a look at them? Yeah, absolutely. So I think the first thing to highlight is the fact that we ended the game with an expected goals of 2.68 to their 0.85. And based on that alone, we know Smith's a big fan of using XG as a predictor of how we're performing in games and a way of looking forward to forward games. I don't think he'll actually be that upset with what happened today. End of the day, we were beaten by... I'm going to argue four bits of absolute brilliance. And unfortunately, that's the Premier League. It happens. There are games when things don't go your way. Someone smashes one in from 30 yards into the top corner and you just have to hold your hands up and say, uh, that's what happens when you're on the pitch with three <laughs> players. Unfortunately, they've got Ings, they've got Ward-Prowse. And I mean, I, I know what people are saying. Yes, it's naive giving away three kicks on the edge of your box. It is. But at the same time, can you really say that on average, Ward-Prowse takes three, three kicks and creates three goals. He does. I mean, he's very good at them. But even so, he normally gets around one in every 20 in. So to get three, to create three in one game is pretty outstanding. And I think, I think this is one of those moments where you just have to hold your hands up and go, yeah, fair enough. In the same way, other teams have to do with us <laughs> when let's just smash one into the top corner from the edge of the box or uh, Watkins scores a hat-trick against Liverpool. But it's just one of those. Um in regards to the stats for the game, overall, there's no denying we were the better team. Uh, 56% possession. We had more shots than them, over double the shots on target. Their keeper made six saves from inside the box. Uh, they made an unbelievable number of clearances and blocks in their own box. Uh, it's something along the lines of 33 clearances to our three. Uh, we passed more accurately than they did, both long and short. We uh, our crossing accuracy was far better. We put the ball in the box way more. We, uh, in terms of total amount of time in possession to possession losses, we were far better than them. We were better in the air as well, winning far more aerial duels, and we created four big chances to their one. Overall, it was, as I say, one of those games. It, there's nothing you can really do about that when you come up against someone like War Prowse who has a day like he had. I think you just have to hold your hands up and say, you know what, he was fantastic today. Yeah, I mean, obviously the goals, you look at them. The first one, great header. Um, you know, he's put, he's put it on him. And I think a lot of people have mentioned what, what Ian mentioned before about um, the marking situation. Now, we defend zonally. We, we're more so zonal marking. Dean Smith seems to like that. And it's one of them with zonal marking. I think, I think a lot of people... Um, will kind of slate zonal marking. Um, I think the thing with zonal marking as opposed to man marking, you could look at it in, you, you could look at positives and negatives for both of them. When you are man marking, a lot of the time you're not actually looking at the ball, you're looking at a player. Whereas zonal marking, the ball, you're looking at the ball coming in. If it, if it comes towards you, you get rid of it. Um, I just feel like, take away the fact that they are you know, two free kicks and a brilliant finish from Danny Ings. I just feel like that for those moments, for them to win the free kicks, it's naive for Douglas Louise to give away the first free kick. I um, can't remember who gives away the second free kick. 
cash for the bird. Yeah, it's the handball. Yeah, the handball, isn't it, cash? Yeah. Um, very naive. And I just think the the way that they, I mean, that that one for Matty Cash, it's a cross coming in from uh, from the right, their right, coming over. Um, I mean, in all fairness, he might as well have left it to Walcott and he'd, he'd put it out for a throw-in. But I, I think that, you know, it's just the ease that they got through us for that one. And obviously the first free kick, Douglas Dewey's foul. Again, it's naive. Just give him a kick and all that kind of jazz. Um, but it's, again, it's it's they got through us very quickly and it was almost like, obviously not the same, but it was almost like with Leeds, two or three passes and before you know it, they're on the edge of the box. And it's that kind of, just the way they got through is the ease. And it's that, and I felt that today, the midfield, centre midfield was very, very, very poor. Um, I thought Louis struggled at times. McGinn wasn't in the game at all. Barkley frustrated me. Um, he was, I think he's a, he's always been a frustrating player. He's one of them that clearly he's got all the talent in the world, but he just decision-making frustrates me. Um, so yeah, it's just disappointing that that first half. And as, as kind of Joe, Joe's pointed out, second half, we very easily could have come away with something from that, at least a point, possibly three points. Because you look at those those Trezeguet chances, they were a lot. It was almost like three identical chances, wasn't it? Yeah, it could have easily had a hat trick on a different day, couldn't it? Yeah. It's interesting, if you look at uh, SoberScores, they use an algorithm to predict how likely a team is to win based upon in-game numbers and statistics. They put us at around 60% odds on to win that game. They give uh, Southampton around 17%. Which, when you take into account the XG and everything else, it does kind of show, doesn't it, that it's when you lose it's never as bad as you think and when you win it's never quite as good as you think and truth be told this one we were probably a bit unlucky in the same way against Liverpool we were quite lucky to score seven it just I think this is one of those we just have to take it take it on the chin accept that these things do happen and hopefully not do it again next week I think I think the the key thing for for Dean Smith and the guys to take away and, and we've mentioned it time and time again, the um, the improvements we made defensively, as we've said a number of times, uh, post-lockdown, pre-lockdown, the differences, I think, you know, as we said, the numbers, not going to repeat them, but massive improvement. So we took we took that into this season and obviously, you know, we, we um, you know, clean sheets against Sheffield United, clean sheet against Fulham, conceded two against Liverpool, but we put seven past them. And it almost seemed like that, that, that had worked coming in and also that there was a bit more of a tactical approach in the games. We'd won four games and they were all very different performances and they were also, I thought, like very different tactical approaches. And I thought that was good. Uh, I thought it was something that I hadn't really seen from Dean Smith in terms of this is how this team sets up and this is how we're going to set up against them to counteract their strengths and weaknesses, etc. And we did it for four games and then with Leeds and Leeds are... Obviously, they're a good side, um, and and frustratingly, they they tore us apart. But Leeds were almost a side that I think um, everyone kind of knows how they play in theory, and it seemed like that we didn't really uh, think about that. We didn't take that into consideration. Um, and then, obviously, we we come into today's game, and again, Southampton are a very pragmatic, almost like regimented side, aren't they? They're, they're solid. They do play a high line. Uh, they're solid, you know, 
it's a four four two, isn't it? But when they get forward, they've got runners in behind of good quality. Um, as we know, obviously James Ward Prowse has, has got kind of good delivery, good set piece, etc. But I felt like the last two games we haven't really looked at it in depth in terms of how we're going to approach the game and how we're going to get a result. And my feeling last week, and I felt the same today, was because we'd won four games and we'd started the season well, it was almost as if the players and possibly the coaching staff were getting getting carried away slightly. It was almost as if, because we've won those four games, let's try and step up a level and take the game to these teams. And I felt that we kind of tried to push on a bit, a bit too much in terms of I think the other games take the Liverpool game out of the equation, but the other games, you look at the Fulham game, we were solid. And when we went forward, we, we went forward and we pressed in the right areas and we were solid. I felt like we've lost that in the last two games and it's frustrating and it kind of seemed like today, well, coming between the Leeds and the Southampton game, that Dean Smith's tactical know-how was a case of, okay, um, treasure gate for Traore and clearly, I mean, treasure gate was one of our better players today in all fairness. Um, clearly, it didn't work. Um, I think Traore is going to be one and that we're probably going to have to drip feed him into games and then start him, not start him and then expect something from it. It just wasn't right. And I think, especially last week when we had the trouble with the fullbacks getting exposed, we know it's going to happen on the left because we allow it to because Jack Grealish plays in front of Matt Target. But on the right-hand side, Matty Cash, as good as he is, kind of on the press and kind of covering players and his aggressive tackling, etc., you can only you can only defend it so much. So for for him to lose Trezeguet, I think it made a massive difference. But um, yeah, I mean, a half time today, I was I could have been sick. It was it was I was really angry. Um, somehow I've calmed down, but um, but yeah, again, it's I suppose when we look at things, I mean, I've looked at stuff people have been saying on social media. I've seen one. I've seen I'll say I'll say one. Blo- I've seen several people saying Smith out which, you know, makes no sense. Off the back of maybe eight, ten games, you could kind of possibly question it, but I'd say eight, eight, ten losses rather. Not two losses after we won four games. Um, like, like you said, I mean, I think if we win our, if we win our game in hand, we could go second. Um, I suppose today, I suppose the last two games, I think we could probably argue that we had, we kind of, Last week, we fell apart in the second half. This week, we'd already fallen apart by half-time. Uh, I think last week, we they would, they probably were the better team in the first half, but we we kind of we were competitive in the first half against Leeds. Second half, we fell apart. Today, we we completely fell, fell like We walked on the pitch and we were just terrible. Uh, by half-time, it looked like it was over. Whether that kind of contributed to the second half improvement, but the second half, we were certainly a lot better. So it's the last two weeks, we've kind of done that thing we did a lot last season, which was, one good half, one poor half. And you can't really maintain that through a season. No, I think it's critical that we don't let the first goal in games define our season. When we score first, we look very good. The confidence is there. When we concede first, we look tragic. And it sort of carries momentum either way. We're either really good or really bad. And it comes with that first goal in every game. And you look at the game today, I think Grealish had that one deflected chance just before they opened the scoring. Um, that if it goes in, we probably build on that. And the confidence is there. The players are all then in, in front, getting that extra bit of a yard of pace. Um, 
But like you say, Chris, I think it's really important that we don't get ahead of ourselves. And I think that can be seen in um, Douglas Louise's game today and potentially against Leeds, where he was back to that pre-lockdown where he was trying to nip in front of his marker and win the ball back and get him turned. And then they were in behind the lines. Yeah. Where the previous, the first four games of the season, he was holding his position, playing really well, but he was actually reading the game fantastically yep. well. Um, and that seems to have been lost in the last two. And I don't know if it's the way that Southampton and Leeds have played, where they have got real quality in behind the lines and they do bring it forward from the central defenders. But it's, 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 it's of utmost importance that we don't let this become set in now and, and, and sort of get rotten and we go on a, a four-game losing run. We must get something in that Arsenal game, take at least a point to take us into the international break um, and, and let us rebuild and um, come out of that and with a better structure. And like you say, I think Smith has got to start realising that games bring different opponents, bring different tactics, and we must tweak certain things each game, whether that's personnel or a tactical system change, to match that opponent. I think today would have been sort of prime time to put Nakamba in and Douglas Louise and play two, take the wingers out and play a three in front of McGinn, Grealish Central and Barkley maybe and then in front Watkins yeah. but it's interesting I don't know what everybody else thinks um, for me that is the major thing that we need to get on top of and making sure that just because we've had four decent games at the start of the season we don't think that's it that's the tactics for the rest of the the, the season to, to get continue with yeah I, I agree to be honest I think um, against Leeds so I'll, I'll start off talking about the bit you mentioned about how badly we seem to respond to going behind because that was really apparent against Leeds as well. Um, Grealish obviously against Leeds missed that chance after that mazy run all the way from our own half and then we go and see three in the next 15, 20 minutes afterwards. Today, we miss a chance going and see three and it it's partly that we don't seem to be quite ruthless enough at times in front of goal and we overplay a bit and I think the other bit, it just we come across as a little bit arrogant at the moment. Um, yeah. There's been speaking the press. I mean, whether you believe it or not, of, of our players supposedly talking about European bonuses already. Um, I even thought Smith's response after the Leicester game was a little bit, a little bit presumptuous um, when asked if he was going to approach it in the same way that Ranieri did when he was at Leicester. He didn't really sort of quashed that at all. He almost played it up a little bit. And I can't mm. help but feel we've got a little bit carried away. <clears throat> yeah. Fans definitely have. But I feel like the players have as well, to be honest. If, if there's any truth in that report of um, our players asking for European bonuses to be sorted at this stage, it's just embarrassing, really. And yeah. we can't be going into games with that sort of attitude. I don't. I thought against Leeds, we didn't show them the respect they deserved. To be honest, we tried to play them at their own game and lost. Today, I think today, in some ways, similar giving away free kicks on the edge of the box. I mean, as I pointed out earlier, you do have to say that with a pinch of salt because as good as James Ward-Prowse is, you wouldn't expect him to create three from three. That just doesn't happen, really. Um, but but yeah, it, it, at this moment in time, I think we need to have a bit of a step back, reconsider where we are at the moment and what's actually got us into this position. 
because it certainly isn't going into games underestimating our opponents and thinking we're going to be on the front, front foot the whole time. That's that's the, the that is the um, the impression I get. I felt like the the first four games we were a bit more pragmatic in our approach. We were we were like how we were post lockdown, which was let's be hard to beat. Then when the opportunity arises, we'll attack. Yeah. Uh, and then it seemed like the last two games, it was. I mean, you look at the space Leeds have uh, had rather against us. I felt like that space was because we were just going for it. And you just don't do that, especially against Leeds. But you just don't do that in the Premier League. Um, and then again today, like you say, I mean Douglas Louise, as, as you mentioned, Ian. I think I think that is one of the one of the key kind of indicators because I think before lockdown, his his form was very indifferent. And in all fairness, it was, it was pretty poor for the large parts of the season. And I think it was a case of because he wasn't quite used to the Premier League, and maybe maybe he felt he, he was better. Than, than he was. Not, you know, I think more so because technically he probably is one of the better players in the side. But in terms of thinking he has more time on the ball and those kind of nonchalant passes out wide and, and just not doing the basics. Post-lockdown, he was interceptions. He was on it, winning the first and second balls. He was always making the right decisions with his passes. And he seems like that's crept in, as Ian said, you know, where he makes those silly mistakes. And I think you could see that time and time again today. And I think sometimes, um, I saw someone today who mentioned I'd like to see Nakamba come in. I thought, I mean, he hasn't really played for us massively. I just think he's one of them that he doesn't really take a lot of risks, Nakamba. And he probably is one of our better ball winners. Not that we've seen a lot of it, but I think if he's in there as a two and he's not expected to do as much ball work as he probably has done being as a one, one, one sitter in front of the back four, I think it would work well. I think that would have worked today. Um, it's just it's disappointing because, like you say, second half was fantastic and we really, really showed um, that we could compete. I just think it was that naivety going out. Um, is that sometimes I look at them and I think, do we need somebody just to kind of give a bit more on the pitch in terms of leadership? You know, Jack Grealish is the captain. I know he has stuff to say, but is he? Does he say what? you want your captain to say I'm thinking you know like a like a John Terry uh, you know I know Tyro Mings kind of come to cross like that but again is what he's going to say is what Tyro Mings going to say is it going to be right if you see what I mean kind of do you know what I mean a proper leader to just kind of almost it's almost like getting the lads and just shaking them about and being like come on make sure we do this almost as if it's it's like um, it's like when the guys step over that white line on the pitch the captain is is the manager on the pitch. And not only do they want to, they don't want to disappoint the manager, they also don't want to disappoint the captain on the pitch because they kind of get the same kind of treatment. I feel like we kind of missed that a bit, if you see what I mean. No, I completely agree, to be honest. I think um, Grealish, for all of his fantastic qualities, and he is a leader on the pitch in his own way, yeah. he leads by, the example, leads by example in the same way that some other captains do, like, for example, if you take Messi at Barcelona, is he a vocal leader? No, not at all. But he has that ability above everyone else on the pitch that it drags people up to his level. Problem is, for me, I, I think even as a Villa fan, it's fair to say Jackie is relatively petulant at times. And I think it's very easy, particularly when things aren't going your way, to get it into your head that it's not your day and everything's going against you and woe is me. And that, for me at least, I've never 
I've never wanted to see that from a captain. I much prefer having a captain who's sort of resolute in face of the adversity, really. And I don't feel we get that with Grealish. Um, admittedly, I think that more traditional style of captain is a sort of dying breed at this moment in time. But considering the lack of experience in our squad, I do think we can really do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I just think sometimes it just it's almost like an in-game reality check. I think sometimes, and I know it's it's much different now because the fans aren't allowed in the game. Obviously, when the fans are there, the kind of what the manager is shouting, I imagine a lot of the time, is completely diluted by the crowd and the players can't can't hear it, can't react to it. But then again, I still feel like someone on the pitch needs to be there to sometimes just take someone and say, mate, just make sure you're doing this. Or just almost like give them a bollocking on the pitch. They're scared to make a mistake. And I think it makes a massive difference. I mean... Ian, I, I know we, we, we kind of talk, we, we're going to go into Sunday league territory here. But thinking about our time playing football, I feel that our captain made a massive difference on the pitch. He almost was like that kind of, you know, he, he was almost like you didn't want to do wrong for him as well as the manager. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, big eggs at the centre-back, you, you, were, you were frightened of him. And when he told you, you knew you weren't on it. Yeah. But that he didn't he didn't tell you in a way that it made you sort of stiff and nervous to play a ball and go and search and win the ball or ask for the ball to feed. He did it in a way that sort of dragged you up to his level where he put the confidence back into you and he'd say a few words to you like, come on, mate, you're better than that. Remember when you did this? Remember when you did that sort of thing? Um, which is it's key, it's critical, isn't it? And it's all about, when you're playing football, it's all about that visual memory sort of tools that you use. When did I last do this? When did I attempt that Cruyff turn? When did I attempt that cross? Last time I did this, oh yeah, I can remember it's there. It's in the visual memory bank. I've got it. I'm going to play like that. I'm going to do that, etc. It's It's really difficult, isn't it? Because like Joe said, the, the sort of diehard, everything on the line, captains, blood and uh, sort of cuts, uh, captains, your sort of Terry Butcher style, They're, they are a dying breed. Um, and you probably sort of look back to John Terry sort of esque players as the last sort of style captains in that sort of uh, mould. So it is, it's a very different game um, these days. The modern sort of football aspects come out of it, and Jack and Jack does rightly lead by example with his quality. And, and again, in, in that sort of last fifteen minutes today, his quality told. And if we'd have played for another ten minutes, we might have even gone on to win that game. Um, but like you say, it's that sort of petulance at times. But does it really have that much of a say on the actual game? I'm not so sure myself. Um, I think Jack is petulant because he knows how shockingly bad some of the referees are at Premier League level. And if you do get in their ear and you do consistently moan and whinge, they might just give you a decision. Um, and I think that's what you look at sort of, even Harry Kane does it, the amount of penalties, and I think he's done it yeah. again tonight with sort of the penalties he wins, is yeah. because he probably throws himself into the player more so than they actually make the <laughs> challenge on him. And it's a yes. very clever... Yeah. That's um, exa- exactly how he won the pen tonight, uh, Harry Kane. I think Spurs so, have won, as, Spurs have won, and Gareth Bale got a winner. Oh, yeah. interesting. He's so, back. Um, that is, the, that is the biggest thing for us as, as Villa fans at the moment. You're looking at the last games. It's it's disappointing. 
like I know a lot of Villa fans, it's not a great way to start your Sunday in the mid sort of day kickoff, um, being four nil down, and then sort of it was nice that we got three goals back, um, but we have got to make sure that we don't let sort of rot set in mm. and do bounce back against Arsenal and make sure we are hard to beat again, get something out of the game. I think playing Arsenal may, may play into our favour because they, they will come at us more so. Um, they will want to have high possession sort of statistics and then it might feed sort of Jack Grealish, the likes of Barkley to sort of win the ball back high up the pitch and bring Watkins into play. I thought Watkins only had a few t- touches in the first half. And I think when they brought up his touch map at half time, it was really disappointing figures for your centre forward to be having in a game at home against Southampton. Um, but then second half, you saw he was winning the ball on the half turn again, much higher up the pitch. And he was bringing Grealish into the game. And that's how we created sort of the, the goals that we scored. Yeah, I think uh, Watkins is struggled a little bit for the last couple of games to be honest um, I think we were all hoping that with having Grealish and Barkley and Trial Ray or Trezeguet up front with him he'd have a lot more supply and defeat and a lot more crosses coming into him really um, I, I think we've failed to do that so far um, it's been better than last year but I still think there's a lot of room for improvement in terms of linking up with our forward players Um but one, on a more positive note, as bad, as bad as these last two games have been, it's worth noting, with a game in hand, we're still ahead of Leicester, Arsenal, Man City, Leeds, West Ham, Manchester United, Brighton, uh, Crystal Palace, Newcastle, Leeds. Like, it, these last couple of games haven't gone as we wanted, but this is still a fantastic start to the season, and I think uh, we do need to focus on that still. Yeah, exactly. Can't hear you, Chris. <laughs> I muted myself, didn't I? <laughs> I was coughing. COVID cough. No, joke. Yeah. I'm, asthmat- I'm asthmatic. Um, in all fairness, obviously, we won our, won our first four games, didn't we? And I don't think we've ever won our first five games of the season. So, obviously, that would have been, if we beat Leeds, that would have been history. Um, but, you know, people look at those two games, Leeds and Southampton. Yes, on paper. Their games that we possibly could have won, but then to have got to have won six games, I wrote in six games. You know, you think in the Premier League era, especially recently, what teams have done that? You know, they are the top end teams that do that, regardless of who their opposition is. They're the top end teams that do that. Um, I, we, we've just got to keep going on. I hope sure we get. I hope we get the results. Our end to the season is tough. We've got some tough games. But between now and the end of the year, end of 2020, we've got some very winnable games there. Um, and I think, I talked to someone the other day, I think we could get, you know, ideally 10 to 15 points between what we are now. So we're on, on 12, 10 to 15 points. If we can get between, say, end of the year and we're between 25, 30 points, you know, that would be incredible. I know it's a, it is a big ask in all fairness because to get that many points... Um, is amazing. <clears throat> but if we can look at, you know, say at least 20 points, that is pretty good going into, you know, the, the, in, into next year. Um, but I think one thing I just wanted to touch on, just as, as Joe's kind of gone for the teams we're above, Brighton, obviously, they've, they've pl- they play some decent stuff. They've played decent stuff this season, but they've only got five points. 
and they are 16th in the league. So I think that's quite surprising. And I think sometimes Villa fans have mentioned, um, obviously, especially when we went from Bruce to Smith, all that kind of stuff, about the quality of football that we play. And obviously, we, we do play decent football at times. But I think people need to remember it's not always the be-all and end-all because a lot of people, and I think a lot of neutrals, would say Brighton have played very good football and they're obviously not doing that well. And it is a results-driven business. You don't want poor, really bad football like Newcastle. I mean, they do get the results, but I think fans at Newcastle don't enjoy that. Um, just before we finish, um, I think we, we did this last week, Ian. Uh, I'm just going to, I'm just ask, just just looking at some stats from the game. I mean, Joe, Joe, Joe's probably got them in front of him, to be fair. Um, so, who, who do you think had the most key passes in that game? Who do you reckon? Go. Grealish, you say, Joe? Yeah. Who are you saying, Ian? Most key passes? Yeah, in the game, either side, overall. Either, either side? Yeah. Um, I'll go for Grealish as well, yeah. So, Jack Grealish... Two key passes. Um, there were two Villa players with four key passes. There was Matt Target and Ross Barkley. Just quite surprised that. But with Matt, but with Matt Target, I mean, would a lot of his key passes be the little, the little inside pass to Grealish, who then goes and makes something decent of it? Quite possibly, in fairness. Um, and just looking at stats, obviously you mentioned about um, Ollie Watkins' touches, thirty-eight touches. Um, it was there was only Cash, Trezeguet, Elmo, Martinez, and Traore who had less touches than him. Um, I think in all fairness, strikers do tend to have um, centre forwards do tend to have less touches, um, but thirty eight, it's not the best. And I think in all fairness, he got a lot of them in the last ten minutes, didn't he? Realistically, when he was drifting out, um, so it would be nice to see him get a bit more involved. But it's going to be tough for him because he's, he's never played in the Premier League before, has he? So it's a, it's a big learning curve for him. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and who scored? <laughs> who scored gave Man of the Match to... I think they actually gave Man of the Match to, yeah, James Ward-Prowse. But our highest-rated player was Jack Grealish, which I suppose you can imagine. I think I've seen some stats from him today, which was that he's created the most chances um, for an English player since Villa have been back in the Premier League. And he's there's only one player that's been involved in more goals than him so far this season, uh, which is Harry Kane. Obviously, he's assisting and scoring for fun, isn't he? So we all know that, don't we, how good Jack Greenwich is. Um, I think sometimes the, the players around him have got to step up, in all fairness. So just before we go, next week we've got Arsenal. Joe, or give us a prediction for the Arsenal game. I'm going 1-1. Ian, what are you thinking? I'm going to go for a 2-2 draw. The amount, the amount of goals that are going in this season and see it being high scoring again. I'm going to go 1-0 Villa. God knows we why. Take that. Yeah, take it all day. It'd be great, wouldn't it? It'd be uh, nice to go into the international break with three points and uh, firming up that position in the top sort of seven. Yep, yeah, yeah, we'd, we'd be nice. The thing is, I think people... Because because we were in the table, you know, second in the league and stuff like that, and it's kind of like, oh, top four. 
we, we're never going to finish top four. Uh, I think the competition's so vast. Um, you know, we've got to not get carried away. That's that's the fans. That's the team as well. Finishing top ten would be incredible. Finishing above fifteenth would be incredible. In all fairness, taking into consideration what happened last season. So hopefully get something against Arsenal just to kind of get us on the right path so we can chip away, get points and, and, and hopefully not have a relegation battle. That's all I'm hoping for this season, in all fairness. So hopefully we, we kind of um, will do that. But um, yeah, massive thanks once again to Joe and Ian. Um, obviously, we'll be on next week after the Arsenal game, which is it a late kickoff. Yeah, it's the late one on the Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, late one on a Sunday. So, yeah, obviously that'll be available next Monday morning. Um, but, yeah, massive thanks, everyone, watching. Um, subscribe to the channel. Get a list in Spotify, etc. But uh, we've been really together. Thank you very much.